I've been authorized to announce some sweeping changes to our church life. As preparing for our new pastor, we need uh, really a different way to be the church. Therefore, the congregation will no longer sing any of the hymns or other music during worship. Only the choir will sing. Uh, this has nothing to do with that mask mandate. That's gone. But the purpose of the choir is to raise the praise of the people. And as you can tell, they do a much better job of doing that. Additionally, all the lyrics of the hymns and the service music will be in Latin, uh, the church's <laughs> original language. The Bible, and only the Latin version allowed, will no longer be available to church members since we'll, as ministers, of course, read it and explain it to you because we know much better what it means. And that interpretation, of course, will be determined by the church and there'll only be one interpretation allowed, and that's the one that we authorize. Um, you know, it's a dangerous thing to read the Bible as a layperson without the church's authoritative determination of the true meaning. As regards the new pastor, he, of course, women can't be ministers, will be chosen for us by another man who knows best. One person makes the best choices when it comes to church law. I'm sure you'll agree that hierarchy is security. <laughs> Communion will change considerably. You won't have to worry about taking the bread and where to put it and crossing over because I'll be taking communion for you. <laughs> you won't be taking it yourself. I'll take the bread and eat it. I'll take the wine and drink it. You know, we can't be too careful with those elements because when I say the blessing, it turns into the actual physical flesh and blood of Jesus, and you wouldn't want to touch that kind of stuff being in your unholy condition. Uh, we'll also keep that blood and flesh in a special box, and we'll call this whole room a sanctuary, which means you'll need to be quiet and still at all times because the holy stuff is always there, and you better remember that. Now, I know many of you have uh, expressed some concern about going to hell or getting stuck in between in purgatory. You know, purgatory is that kind of holding room between going up and going down. If you find yourself in a hell of a fix or bound for hell in the holding room, we have the answer. For a small fee, we will indulge you by canceling all the punishment for your sins. Of course, the more the sin, the more the fee, which only makes sense. And these indulgences are for past, present, and wait for it, future sins. In fact, we have a little jingle for the jangle of cash in the collection plate. It goes something like this. <clears throat> as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Right to heaven, folks. <laughs> Unfortunately, there will have to be a, a few divorces necessary since ministers can't marry. We see no problem with this constraint for the church or the community in the years to come. The displaced spouses will become nuns uh, to complete their servitude. As far as those women who 
dared to call themselves ministers, we have a special, let us say we're inquisitive about what you did. We'll have a little inquisition with you just for you. The important matter is, in all things, you need to earn your relationship to God by your own merit. It's by what you do. The church will keep tabs on how much you're doing. Do good deeds to make up for your sins. Do lots of good deeds. Tend church a lot. When you sin, confess it to your minister, and he will offer you absolution right there and then. See the Pope in person, even through binoculars, and you've got a golden ticket to the promised land. Now, you can keep some of your practices in the church with modification. Your order of worship is crude and incomplete, but it's a start. And these robes need to be much, much fancier. I would even suggest that maybe for some, hats would <laughs> be nice. Your church needs to be much more decorated. Both are pitifully plain. Look around. How many crosses do you see? Only one, and it doesn't have Jesus on it. Bad form. And would it hurt you to pray to Mary a little more? I mean, who knows their son better than his mama? And you can keep all the saints, but be, you can keep the saints, but be more selective. You, you think that anyone can be a saint just by the grace of God and no good works? You could keep the sermon, but shorten it quite a bit. Shorten that thing. The liturgy is what matters. And the better, the longer. And of course, you just got to brush up on your Latin, especially this week. Because next week, the whole worship service will be in Latin. Now, you can read about this and many other changes in the church newsletter. Also, in Latin. <laughs> okay, enough already. I'm making myself uncomfortable. <laughs> what I described is the reversed engineered medieval church. Not to be confused with the Catholic Church of today, for after Vatican II, so many reforms took place. The depiction is not fair to the Catholic Church of today, nor is it to the devout Catholics in that day and time. But the fact is that the institution of the church at the time of Luther had become overly mechanical, overly political, overly commercial, and overly, overly immoral. It took someone as brave and bullheaded as Luther to break through. Now, if Martin Luther were to state his case for the church reform today, he would probably post his 95 theses instead of the Wittenberg church door, he would post them on Facebook. You're right. <laughs> and they would have gone viral throughout the metaverse. <laughs> He'd Twitter those 95 theses and he'd find himself with a flood of followers. Now, don't be thrown off by the technology imagined here because Luther used the best technology of his day to call the church to be reformed. The printed word was relatively new in 1517 when he nailed those things that he protested about the church. 
But Gutenberg Bible, printed in 1436, was beginning to take traction and largely responsible for spreading the word that Luther had to say so much. Now, I'm sure that there were those who were aghast at anything, anything sacred being anything but handwritten in fancy script. They probably said of Gutenberg Bible, how could anything holy ever come out of technology? Among the 95 theses were radical concepts like this one. The church's true treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, the purpose of Luther's protest was to return the church to the scripture as ultimate authority in faith and practice. Luther was no more of a Lutheran than Jesus was a Christian. Luther was a good, faithful Catholic who was excommunicated and persecuted by a tyrannical religious system of his day. Jesus was a good, faithful Jew who was persecuted and crucified by the iron fist of a corrupt religious system of his day. So if you like the idea of Scripture being the authority for the church instead of the church being the authority for the Scripture, thank the Reformation. If you like the idea of reading the Bible yourself in your own language instead of the Bible being in an unfamiliar language and read only to you, thank the Reformation. If you like the idea of salvation being a gift of God by grace through faith instead of in the hands of the institutional church and based on merit, thank the Reformation. If you like singing the hymns instead of the hymns only being sung to you by a choir, sorry choir, thank the Reformation. If you like taking the bread and cup yourself instead of someone taking it for you, thank the Reformation. And if you like your minister being merry, so as to share in the suffering of humanity. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. <laughs> I asked for forgiveness before that. And she said, not a chance. So. If you like the idea of separation of church and state, thank most of the Reformation, although some didn't get that part of freedom. And if you like every member, a minister, the priesthood of all believers, thank the Reformation. If you like receiving communion from any church member, not just the minister, thank the Reformation. If you treasure freedom of religion, thank the Reformation for setting people free to believe. But the blessings of the Reformation are also accompanied by curses as well. The established church brutally punished many reformers, burning many at the stake. And the reformers oversaw the execution of those who didn't reform properly. Infamously, Luther called for the violent action against the peasants' rebellion or the Anabaptists, our ancient ancestors and the free church in the namesake of our Baptist church. Reformers allied with powerful princes and ward ensued. And when you look at these red vestments, know the tragic truth that so often 
Christians made martyrs of other Christians. Europe was a battlefield for the next century. Over three million people died in the continuous religious wars. The Peace of Westphalia in 1640 brought peace between the nations and the Holy Roman Empire, but by establishing the rule that the sovereign of the state determined the religious expression of the state, whatever the monarch was, you were, the monarch was Catholic, then you were Catholic, the monarch was Protestant, then you were Protestant. They thought that would solve the whole problem. The trouble is, when a Catholic ruler held the throne, Protestants were tortured and executed. When a Protestant ruled, Catholics were persecuted in like fashion. Imagine living in the fear of the next ruler who would want to kill you for what the current ruler was demanding of you. Holy bipolar bears. How could you ever <laughs> deal with that? No wonder millions wanted to be free and flee the constant conflict of that world and establish a land where freedom of religion was the law of the land. Religious prejudice still exists, and the violence which always seems to follow. I remember being taught that as a child, as a Protestant, not to trust someone who was Catholic. I remember my father and uncles, all staunch Democrats, agonizing over John F. Kennedy running for president. They could not vote for a Republican. They could not vote for a Catholic. So one of my uncles, Uncle Fate, took me aside when Kennedy won and said, Daryl, do you know why the Catholic Church is the biggest church in the world? Because the head is in Rome and the tail is in the White House, but he didn't say tail. That's the kind of prejudice that... I faced growing up. The good news is, guess who he voted for for president? Kennedy. <laughs> so the politics were able to win out and his religious prejudice did not. I guess that's progress. We have made progress and yet the divisions of the church have metastasized. How could we ever again be one since that fateful day at the Wittenberg door. No doubt the church had to be reformed. But no doubt we have sullied that reformation. One of the mottos of the reformation was reform ever being reformed. And that may be the key to Reformation Sunday, transforming us. By confessing that we have not as a historic church allowed the spirit to keep reforming us. The trouble is not that we failed to be reformed, it's that, that we were reformed and then institutionalized the reform. We refused to hear new voices calling for other, deeper, further reform. So let us begin today to confess the sin of our forebearers, to confess the sin of worshiping the way we are, instead of worshiping the God who shows us what we are to be. Let us confess that we've held biases against those who worship differently from us. Let us confess the historic sin of hatred and violence against other churches or faith groups. Let us pray to receive the gifts that come to us through the Reformation and to seek the gifts of always being reformed.
Most of all, let us listen. Listen to the voices which come through the centuries. Listen. Do you hear them? Echoes through the eons. Echoes of love strong enough to test time's ruthless diminishment. Echoes in the words of scripture refusing to be erased or forgotten. Echoes of songs lifted in praise despite the last gasp of circumstance. Echoes of love confirmed in moments of transformation and liberation. When the people of God overcame themselves and were reformed in the image of God. Well, that's what God's love does. God's love remakes us in God's image. God's love reforms us as individuals and collectively reforms us as the people of God. We are reformed into God's image by God's enduring love. So listen. Do you hear them? Such a diversity of voices of all races, genders, stations, status, all the saints. Those who found freedom but due to God's love refused to deny freedom to others. Those who gave their lives for what they believed and, and even others, you got to hear them, even those that took the lives of people for what they believed. Forgive them, Lord, forgive us, Lord, for the blood they shed cries out to us. Listen, you are communing in this place with all the saints in all places. You are communing with the saints at this time. Even though you're at a table here in this place, you are communing with the saints in all places, all times, all places, past and future. Listen and be reformed. Be reformed by love.